Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I'm happy to say we continue our tour of the Bible books and we're about to sink our teeth into 1 Samuel. I hope you're hungry, Bible believer, because as we take our first bite, we find it filled to the brim with wild antics and unbelievable action. Alongside this is a side order of politics, power, personality, preaching and prayer. But beyond all this, 1 Samuel's greatest excitement lies not in the events and characters, but in the person they point to. Through themes of kingship and covenant, Christ is revealed, and as we are shown that he is perfect, it becomes only too clear that people are far from it. So, 1 Samuel sucks us in from the start and never lets us go. We are plunged straight into the story, and from family divisions to family devotions. A woman's whisper is heard by God, and she gives back the son she was given. Meanwhile, Eli's sons are honoured above God and dine upon the tenderest slices of other people's sacrifices. So war comes, and Eli's sons go, with the ark of God in tow. And before we know it, the Philistines are thrilled with all the Israelites they've killed. With the loss of the ark of God and his sons, shock breaks Eli's heart and then his neck as he stumbles and slips from his seat. The ark may have been captured, but God wasn't, and he knows how to set things and people free. Yet the nation demand the king, ignoring the bind that it will bring. Enter Saul, exceptionally tall. Looking for his beast as a burden, instead he finds the burden of a crown, and even without trying, he started prophesying. Next, bad neighbours bring bad news, yet Saul saves the day. Sadly for him, troubles tread on the heels of triumph, and from great achievement to great disappointment. Sheep bleat, cattle moo, and Samuel does what Saul didn't do. From kingmaker to kingslayer, Samuel and Saul part ways, leaving the once loyal leader with nothing to show for it except a rent robe and a torn kingdom. Saul was now alone, Samuel was upset and God was grieved. Enter David. Seven sons of Jesse, a picture of perfection, are passed by for the youngest shepherd's son, who spends his time surrounded by sheep. Meanwhile, counting sheep is not working for Saul, who's suffering from the blues and looking for someone to help him snooze. Fresh from the field, David's music becomes medicine, and with harp in hand he hushes Saul's headaches. Suddenly, the peace is broken by the godless giant, Goliath of Gath. This monster of a man boasts and bellows blasphemy. But being brisk, bold and brave, the boy King David draws near to duel. This one's for all the marbles, and defeat means death. With sling, stone and swift action, the bold-faced boaster is beheaded by his own weapon. To the victor goes the spoils, and David is rewarded with royal robes by Saul's son. Meanwhile, malice multiplies in the monarch, and mental problems plague him. Jealousy turns into obsession, and David has to dodge, when suddenly, upon a whim, a spear is hurled at him. David, now a marked man, marries the king's daughter, but even this isn't enough to stop his slaughter. Leaving his wife, David flees for his life, and turns to Jonathan for the final time. In sorrow and sadness, they separate, never to meet again. Back to the king, and he's desperate to meet up with David, hunting him with zeal and zest, a sharp spear and bad intentions. But with a cave for cover, a rock for refuge, David makes Saul's sense and leave him alone. And as Saul leaves, so does Samuel now fade from the scene. He sleeps, never to be awoken by a man, 
Next, we see that wisdom is better than weapons, as Abigail proves, by proving her husband wrong. And from being dead drunk, he becomes just dead. Sadly, Saul is back to his old ways again, and he's perfectly good at being bad. David's had enough of narrow escapes and leaves the land to live with the Philistines. Saul's not been living with God for some time now. With aching heart and shaking hand, he's desperate to hear from him. It's true that desperate people do desperate things. And with God not answering, Saul doesn't wait around but orders a supersized sin with a medium. Talking to the dead never helps because as the Bible says, they know nothing. His consultation brought him no comfort and he leaves the witch weakened and wobbly. King Saul may be godless, but he's not gutless. And with an exhausted ego and spent spirit, he takes one last stand against many and mighty enemies. Soon his sons are killed and their defiant, desperate dad faces death the same way he faced life. Taking matters into his own hands, he falls upon his own sword in defeat and despair. So Saul's burial brings us closure to 1 Samuel. The next time we meet like this, we shall be scanning and studying 2 Samuel. But until then, 1 Samuel is a vivid, ferocious volume that is as entertaining as it is informative. This bold and brilliant book draws back the spiritual curtain and shows us Old Testament people with very modern day problems. From fears and frustrations, mood swings and instability, to pride, jealousy and revenge. Every spot, scratch and sorrow is shown. Letting the discouraged and flagging reader know that failures don't separate a person from God. Clean hearts and new starts are always available for the asking. And maybe, just maybe, with that asking it's better to look to Jesus and yourself and leave other people alone. Finally, the God of 1 Samuel leaves us with room to decide on the type of person we shall become. Maybe we hope to put self aside and seek God. Or maybe we fancy being a terror to ourselves and to all those around us. The question is, which one are we working on? The answer? Well, I'll leave that up to you.